Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, happy Sunday morning, everyone. It's so glad to have you here with us this morning. You know, it's been kind of crazy lately with this whole, you know, quarantine, stay-at-home order thing. But I just love being able to get together at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings to really, you know, keep that connection together. So we're glad that you joined with us this morning. I'm not only glad because you're here, but I'm also glad because we're starting a brand new series. Yeah, you heard me right. A brand new series. What's the name of that series, you might ask? It's this. The Good Word. Say that with me. The Good Word. Now, when I was growing up, we would have the saying that we would often, you know, say when somebody would walk into a room or, you know, if you walked into a group of friends and it was this, hey, what's the word or what's the good word? In other words, what's going on in your life? Tell us about yourself. It's the equivalent of maybe, hey, what's up? You know, what up, man? (laughs) Those kind of things. But it was, what's the good word? In other words, I don't want to hear the negativity necessarily, and we could talk through that, but I really want to know what's going on in your life. Well, for us, what we're going to do in this series called The Good Word is each week we'll take a single word and then we'll expound on the biblical meaning and what it looks like to actually walk this word out in kingdom life. So, today's word is this. Listen closely. Beards. Huh? I'm just kidding. It's not beards. But just a little side note for a minute, a little rant. How many else have beards? Guys? Girls? I don't know, maybe all of us, but beards that are just going rogue and crazy? Sure, sure, I could get some clippers and clip it down, but I don't want to. You know, the point is to let it grow out. It's called quarantine beard. But you know what I miss more than anything, I think, with this quarantine? Haircuts and beard trims. But I digress. No, today's word is actually this, humility. I know I have you say things a lot and repeat, but say this with me, humility. Sometimes that's not just a hard word to say. It's a hard word to really live out. But what does it look like to walk out humility? What does it mean to be humble as far as Jesus is concerned, as far as the kingdom of God is concerned? So there's a story in Luke chapter 15 that Jesus tells about the prodigal son. It's probably one of my favorite, at least my top three parables or stories of Jesus, but it's probably number one, to be honest with you. It's just an amazing and beautiful story. Now, they call it the prodigal son, but I think we could more accurately call it the parable of the two sons. There were two sons involved. In fact, in this story, there's three main characters. There's the father, and then there's his two sons. Now, in this parable, we have the younger son who ends up demanding his inheritance before his father dies, by the way, which is kind of weird to say the least. I mean, his father wasn't dead, but he was asking for the inheritance. But what does the father do? He grants his wish, or we could say he grants his command. He ends up giving him his inheritance. So the younger son, he takes this inheritance. It tells us in the story that he goes to a far-off city or a far-off land And listen to this, he blows the whole thing, the whole inheritance on two things, parties and women. Wow, dude, seriously? So basically at this point, he's at his wit's end. I mean, he is completely starving. He has nothing to eat. He's lost all his money. And so what does he do? He comes back home. And if you're at all familiar with the story, beautiful story, the father, who by the way, represents our heavenly father, or we could say God, what does he do? He welcomes him back 
get this, no questions asked. Did you hear that? No questions asked. Completely restores him to the family and throws a huge party. Pretty cool story, right? Well, the story moves on and the older brother takes center stage. And what I want to talk to you about today as we look into this word humility is the, I guess, the reaction of this brother. If we were to focus on this son and his life, the title of the parable should be something more like the parable of the blind son or what I heard one guy call the parable of missing the whole point. Somewhere here, this eldest son is missing the complete point, the point of living life and even the family that he belongs to. But this story is not really about either the prodigal or the blind son. It's about the father. The father in this story, he's the main character. He's the character we need to focus on. He's really the central figure. And Jesus is using this father and his relationship with his two sons to reveal to us the shocking truth about God. So let's pick up the story here in Luke chapter 15, and we're going to look at verse 25. All this time, his older brother was out in the field. When the day's work was done, he came in. As he approached the house, he heard the music and dancing. Calling over one of the houseboys, he asked, what's going on? Look what he tells him. Your brother came home, so your father has ordered a feast, barbecued beef. Why? Because he has him home safe and sound. Now now look at the reaction here in verse 28. It says, The older brother stalked off in an angry sulk and refused to join in. His father came out and tried to talk to him, but he wouldn't listen. The son said, Look how many years I've stayed here serving you, never giving you one moment of grief. But have you ever thrown a party for me and my friends? Then this son of yours, who has thrown away your money on whores, shows up and you go all out with the feast. Now, can you get a feel for where the older brother was here in his mentality? Verse 31, his father said, son, you don't understand. You're with me all the time and everything that is mine is yours. One translation says, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. The father is trying to communicate something to his son here. But look what he says. But this is a wonderful time and we had to celebrate. This brother of yours was dead and now he's what? Alive. He was lost. But look it. Now he is found. He's found. Isn't this beautiful? Now look at the response of the older brother here. He says, I slaved for you, never given you any grief and you couldn't even give me a party. Now, think for a moment about the older brothers of the world, the Pharisees or, you know, the religious ones who create their own religious way to God. They, they make their own lists and they try to keep them perfectly. I suspect that Jesus told these stories primarily for the Pharisees. Those were the religious leaders of the day. Because just before he tells these parables, the religious leaders are grumbling about Jesus hanging out with the sinners. I love the message translation that says it like this. By this time, a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation were hanging around Jesus, listening intently. The Pharisees and religion scholars were not pleased, not at all pleased. They growled. Look what they growled. He takes in sinners and eats meals with them, treating them like old friends. Their grumbling triggered this story. Now, see, Jesus told this story. 
in a specific time for a specific reason. These Pharisees, religious leaders, were seeing Jesus, who, by the way, would hang out with any and everyone. He would accept any and everyone because he knew that the key to change was acceptance. See, sometimes the church really needs to get this. I believe at times we are looking for a change and then we will accept. But in the example of Christ, what does he do? Jesus says, no, I accept you. And by this acceptance, by my love, by my grace, guess what happens? You begin to change. That's how it works. Listen, God always initiates. What do we do? We simply respond. I know I say that a lot, but it's the truth. So Jesus would always initiate relationship. And then guess what? Those sinners, those people, whatever walk of life they came from, they would respond to Jesus. Their change happened because of the acceptance. So again, it says he takes in sinners and eats meals with them, treating them like old friends. They're grumbling. What they were saying triggered this story. See, that's why the older brother's story comes last, I believe. Jesus knows that the Father is full of grace and love toward them. Who? The religious, the older brothers. He has love for them too. They belong just as the tax collectors and the sinners do. In fact, the father in the story, he embraced this older brother in his religious pride. He's pleading with him to join the party. See, sometimes when we get a revelation of grace, it's so easy to almost switch the roles around. You know, a lot of times in the religious community, we have this us and them mentality. And so if someone's not like us, we separate. But then, you know, for some of us, we discover this amazing grace and love of God. But if we're not careful, we become grace Pharisees. We suddenly look down our nose at those who are legalistic. What this story, this parable is telling us, what Jesus is telling us, we could say, is that I accept everyone and everyone is invited to participate in this party called life, in this party called the gospel, in this party called the kingdom. Are you following me? So, you know, the Father's arms, they're embracing all of us, including them. He is the Father's heart inviting the religious among us to put the ledger down and to learn from him about his Father's heart. You know, like so many of us who may have more in common with the Pharisees than we do with the wayward son, Jesus wants us to understand that the Pharisees too are already loved and included. But the story's not over. You see, the older son, list in hand, was in the fields carrying out his daily duties. Now what happens? He hears the music. He hears the dancing. That must have been some crazy dancing to hear from the field. But anyway, he calls to one of the servants, right? He wants an explanation. Why are we having this party and why wasn't I invited? Which, by the way, he was. He just didn't realize this. What was the answer of the servant? He says, your brother has come home. Your father has commanded a feast. Of course, when the older son heard of the father and his party, what did he do? He stomped off. He was enraged. But look what the father does. The father himself came out from the party looking for the older son. Now, this story would have thrown people off kilter for sure, because in this time, if you were a rich ruler or, you know, the head patriarch of the household, you didn't seek out the son. He would seek you out. But Jesus was trying to paint a picture of the heart of the Father, his love, his grace, his care, his desire to see us have relationship, to see us have and enjoy an abundant life. So think about this. The Father himself, he comes out looking for him, and then he does his best to convince him to join the party. Then the son shouts to him, 
you know what, dad? This is kind of my paraphrase. You know what, dad? I've never once disobeyed you and you've never once ever given me even a goat for a party with my friends. One translation actually says that. Didn't even give me a goat, but you're giving him barbecued beef, the fattened calf. What he's essentially saying is, I've been here slaving my whole life. Think about this. The younger brother became a slave in a far off country or in the world, but the older brother was a slave at his very own house, his father's house, or we could say on the front row of the church. Because a lot of times this is what happens. We have wayward sons who go off and become slaves to sin in the world, but sometimes even in the four walls within the church, we have brothers and sisters even unknowingly becoming slaves sitting at the front row in church. But here's the thing. Both of them were estranged from the father's love because they lost their identity. So you can lose your identity in the world, but unfortunately, you can lose your identity even in the church. You see, religious attitudes, they will literally make us blind to the father's goodness, bring us to a point where we can't even see the goodness of the father, a goodness that is freely given. You know, we see the reckless love of a father here, a a love that embraces both sinful prodigals and blind do-gooders. We see God's love, get this, we see God's love covering without proof of repentance. That's huge. I mean, even contrition or repayment aren't what get you back in. It's his relentless love. It's not necessarily sin that keeps the older son from his father's house. I really want you to get this. It's his pride. Pride is the key attitude and component that keeps him from the party, that keeps him from the blessing that, by the way, the Father has already provided and offered freely. I believe this, that humility is the doorway to receiving. Let me say that again. That's a powerful statement. Humility is the doorway to receiving. Humility has this way of removing blinders from our eyes. Being humble allows us to open our hearts and receive what God has freely given. We see this principle scattered, you know, all throughout the New Testament, including the letter of the Apostle James. Look at this in James 4 and verse 6. He says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Think about that. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now that word resists in the Greek is the word antitasso, and it means to range in battle against or to oppose oneself. Now, I want us to understand kind of the context here. You know, I've talked about this resisting before, and I want us to understand it's not the Father resisting us, okay? He's not saying, I want nothing to do with you. You disgust me. He promised to never leave us and to never forsake us. But it's not Father resisting us, but he's resisting our wrong attitude. You know, when one of my kids is out of line, when when they're acting crazy, when they're acting up, when their actions aren't approved by me or my wife, Kristen, I don't kick them out of the family. That's the last thing on my mind. What do I do? I resist, antitasso, right in the Greek. I resist their current attitude or actions. In other words, this isn't an acceptable attitude. What you're doing is not acceptable. We live differently in the Barancic household. Do you follow me? See, father is resisting the older brother's attitude of pride, selfishness, and unforgiveness but he's not resisting the son. In fact, he leaves the party to pursue the son, to let the son know how much he loves him and how much he wants him to participate in the party. Can you see this? See, you can see God trying to share with 
Pharisees and religious people this truth. He leaves the story to where the elder son, guess what? He doesn't enjoy the father's love. He doesn't enjoy the forgiveness. He doesn't enjoy the delight. In fact, the story literally ends right here. It was offered, but it couldn't be enjoyed because of religious pride. See, this pride is a big issue. Again, humility opens us up to receive the father's goodness and what he's given to us freely. See, both sons were trying to get into the position of telling father what to do. Both did so. One did by being bad or loose living, as in the prodigal. The other did it by being good, or we could say moral living, you know, living according to the letter of the law, having the list, checking it twice. But guess what? Both were self-serving for their own purposes. But look at the difference in the final decisions of these two sons. The younger son presented himself in humility, and what did he receive? Grace. The older son would not humble himself and thus didn't receive the grace of the father. Now listen, the grace was there all along, okay? God never withheld the grace from him. It was there, it was offered, but he never received it. Again, let me say it again. With humility, being humble, we can literally receive. We're open to what the father has provided, but without humility, we just can't. The Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, he says, For by grace, catch this, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works, which God prepared beforehand, so that we would walk in them. See, again, humility is the only way to receive his grace. You know, sin is not just breaking God's law. I believe that it's acting as your own savior. It's trying to do things through your own self-effort. You know, whether we're breaking laws and setting our own course, like the prodigal son, or we're keeping all the moral laws and being very, very good, you know, like the eldest son, Jesus is showing us that both can be wrong. Both attitudes are out of place and they're not acceptable. And what does God do? He resists the proud. This is powerful. And get this, the Father cares for both. We can't say that those who are gracious are better than those who are legalistic. We got to see that God is inviting everyone to the party. Everyone can participate. Everyone has been provided for. But the truth is, without humility, without being humble, you just can't receive it. The gospel is not about morality or immorality. Neither. It's that everyone is loved and called according to his purposes. Did you catch that? See, the elder brother sees the world as good people versus bad people, whereas the prodigal or younger sees open-minded versus closed-minded. But Jesus is saying that only, now listen, only the humble will receive the grace that has already been freely given. And why leave the older brother without reconciliation? I mean, the story ends right there. There, There's no reconciliation. Well, Well, maybe, just maybe Jesus, in his brilliance of storytelling, is showing us that the elder son's attitude may be a bit more dangerous of a position to have in life. Remember, the humble receive his grace. So let me leave you with this, my friends. Imagine the father saying, you were always good enough. Now, again, I want you to close your eyes for a minute, not for anything religious, but I want you to just imagine the Father is saying this to you, okay? You were always good enough, but you were the one 
who doubted it. You were always good enough, but you were the one who doubted it. So what do you believe about yourself? Are you willing to humble yourself and believe the truth that God has already done everything and provided everything that you ever need simply because you are you? And what are you? His child. That's what love does. See, walking in humility will open us up to receive all the goodness that God has provided. So I want you to do that, my friend. What can you do as you think through this process to humble yourself? Because God resists the proud, but to humble yourself and say, you know what? I just receive it. I'm not going to try to earn it. I'm not going to try to deserve it. I will just receive everything that God has provided for me. And you can when you walk in what? Humility. Say it with me. Big word. Hard to live. What's the word? Humility. Isn't that awesome? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Man, we got another opportunity here to just look into the scripture, to be led by you, Holy Spirit, and to really participate in the story of our life journey, the story of repentance. Repentance means to change our minds. I pray today that maybe we've changed our minds. We realize that it's not about us doing good to get good. It's not about us trying to live up to certain standards. In fact, Jesus, you showed us that true change comes by receiving through humility the acceptance that you've already given us. So I pray today that people are receiving that acceptance, that they're saying, you know what, I don't have to try and measure up. I already measure up in the eyes of God. But when I receive that, when I receive the acceptance he's given, that's when change transpires. I know that a lot of us, Heavenly Father, may look at our own lives and, you know, this sum total of our actions, our words, and our deeds, and sometimes we measure ourselves according to that. But see, you're telling us a different story about ourselves. I pray, Holy Spirit, that we would come to a point where we would truly believe and then truly walk in what we believe, which is that we are your children, loved by you. And that is where change transpires. I pray for peace right now in Jesus' name over every person that's listening or watching this. I just pray that they're coming to a greater revelation of who they are in Christ. And as we begin to receive from you, we receive through a spirit of humility. We thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. <laughs> or we could say, Amen. I told you I got to do that at least once every single time. Hey, listen, you guys, I'm just so glad that you're here with us this morning. I really hope that that ministered to your heart. I, I hope that you just received a peace and a grace and a love that maybe you've never experienced before. God truly loves you, and he wants you to awaken to your righteousness, awaken to who you truly are. And that only happens when we choose to walk in humility. Hey, listen, guys, it's been great hanging with you as always, but you can hang out with us tonight with Live at 5. That's the name of the program we do on Facebook Live at 5 p.m. It's been awesome. A lot of you guys will just stop in. You can ask questions, get some responses. We have special guests. Pastor Kristen will be with us. It's going to be a great time of just connection and unity together. But tonight we have an awesome special guest. We have Reverend Michael Lusk. Yes, Michael Lusk will be with us tonight live from Texas, baby. Texas and Michigan. We're going to unite and we're going to talk together. So it's going to be really exciting. They've got some great things in store for this year for Lusk World Outreach. 
Don't know how much he'll talk about that tonight, but I know he'll be with us. And he always just has a spirit of grace and goodness. And he really, truly wants people to experience salvation in Jesus Christ. So with that, we love you. We're praying for you. And we'll talk again really, really soon. Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message.